Greetings, fine peoples. You have reached The Spiritual Frequency, a podcast about magic, metaphysics, and mysticism in the modern age. My name is Dana Jean Walter of Camp Athena, the She Shed, and Sonic Priestess, and I am here with my wonderful bestie, the most wondrous Tangy Cassidy of a grown-ass witch. Hala. Hiya. It's been a while. It has. So before we get into this today, I'd just like to give everybody a brief disclaimer. This episode includes discussions about death and sacrifice. So if you're uncomfortable with that, please tune out now. This episode begins in three, two, one. Hello. So what's been going on with you since we have been off the air? We have been off the air. Um, Let's see. I had my first, and I hope only ever, COVID test, which came back negative, but I just came out of quarantine today. Um, It's been bizarre because we've been luckily untouched for the last six months, but now our Mm -hmm. circles have started to be encroached upon. Yeah, there are some big, big ripples in our pond here. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Our our vet was supposed to come today after three weeks we waited, Mm -hmm. only to be told we have to reschedule for two more weeks because one of her texts is COVID positive. So, boo. Best of luck with that. Hope yeah, you get better soon. I hope soon. you get better. Come see my kitty, who I'm worried about. So, um, and that also resulted in me being in bed for a good portion of uh, half of a week. Mm. Depressed um, is really the only... I literally told my roommates, I'm like, I don't want to look at you. I don't. Yeah. Not because they don't love you, because I was in such a bad place. Um, I lost another friend this time to suicide, and I cannot express enough to my beloveds and anyone who is yet to be to become a beloved please check in on your people check in on your people this cosmic shitstorm that we're in is just even pushing those people that you would never expect would struggle um with the wanting to be here myself included it's yeah. been brutal i've seen people who have these just honest genuine natural born cheerful dispositions in a bad, bad place. Um, and if you happen to be somebody who has a natural born melancholy disposition, this is an especially difficult and challenging time. So that being said, if you are not feeling like you want to be here anymore, please reach out to someone. And if you don't feel like you want to reach out to someone, you know, the national suicide prevention hotline is 1-800-273-8255. You're important. We need you here. We desperately need you here, though I completely and totally respect everyone's free will and decision. Um, I'm going to miss my friend, but I hope that they are in peace because I know it's been a struggle. So I I hear you and I feel you and you are not alone. And uh, my bestie, Miss Tangie, also introduced me to the joys of TikTok. You are that really. <laughs> got me through a lot to just really feel connected to some humanity out there because I was given no fucks Mm -hmm. about no one or nothing or myself. I just was like, I'm done. I'm out. Yeah, you guys. So uh, we're doing the TikTok now. Um, (laughs) I I guess if you want my TikTok, just hit me up in the Facebook group or whatever and I'll, I'll give it to you. But I have discovered that TikTok is an oracle. Mm -hmm. That algorithm, which I think is just magic, um, has led me directly to my people on the internet, and it has been a place of positivity and support and humor, and it could not have come at a better time for me in my life. I've really been going through um, some pretty rough weather, 
and uh, just having some people to commiserate with and laugh with has been wonderful. Um, wherever you can get some little spikes of serotonin in your daily life, get them. And uh, TikTok is helping me remember I actually have a libido. <laughs> so say it with me. There's that Maori. Uh, Maori. <laughs> um, yeah. So that's been my thing, and we haven't really been together because I had to go into to quarantine again, and so it's been made very difficult because we do feel that us being together and having this conversation in person is really a part of what brings us joy. Well, and I while think, we're doing this, I think the show. energy of us being in the same place and having these conversations, you guys are basically just getting to eavesdrop on the kind of shit that we talk about all the time, all the time. <laughs> um, and it's just better for us to, to be together. I just think the quality of you guys listening in on a phone call would not be as good. It's just, so. it's not. And yeah. So, so disclaimer on the, you know, as Tanjeet said, this is going to be an episode that is potentially triggery and we want to be mindful of that but at the same time we also want to make sure that these discussions are being had um this podcast came out of a conversation that tangy and i were were having about the world situation and how do we navigate it for ourselves Mm -hmm. and it came up we came up with some questions we're like what why why is this what and where do we uh, leverage our own experience and our own realities and yeah. we try really hard to go from why to how and what right. and nobody we... hates the if I'm the queen of if you want to come and complain to me about something that's fabulous what's your solution as well even otherwise if, shut it even if it's not the solution just give me a solution correct like, like if, have you thought it out what's problems I'll walk, walk me yeah. through that walk me through it just let me know where you are let's have a baseline jump off together and try and find something that works mm-hmm. Um, so that being said, the episode is going to be a discussion about, um, well, sacrificial magic, blood mm-hmm. magic, death magic. And if any of that makes you uncomfortable, this is your last chance to get out, get off the train, jump, jump, jump. Yeah, I don't want to hear about anyone sliding into our personal messages and stuff going, I can't believe blah, blah, blah. You have absolutely every right to just not listen. Yep. So that being said, let's just jump right on in. Yeah. And also remember that this is just our own like theory and experiences nothing to do with like we know what the fuck we're talking about yeah, this, this is a ongoing quest of query there is us. a reason that we call ourselves practitioners mm-hmm. not experters right <laughs> we are practicing magic we yep. are not experts in magic and i think that i will not become an expert in magic until i have satisfied my contract this lifetime and get to pop out of my meat suit so um, this is about what we've learned through practice. A lot of this is just questions that we have and conversations that are going on that we don't even have the answers. We're just, you know, kind of like spinning it out here and brainstorming it and trying to figure it out. What happened was we were talking about the number of people in our personal circles, our extended circles, and in the globe um, that have been succumbing to COVID-19, whether it's because of the disease directly or because of the isolation and desperation and loneliness that quarantine is putting us through. Which we're not even really counting. And then that led us to numbers because we're both very analytical people and want to like look at the numbers and follow the money and all those kind of things. Like what, what is, what is happening? What is the meaning of this? Why is this happening? And more importantly, what can we do with it? Right. 
Um, so that brought us to the subject of sacrificial magic. What the hell is that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so we started talking and we sort of like broke it down into a few different categories that we wanted to talk about today. So sacrifice. And again, just so you know, before Tangie gets into the depth of it, this is an <laughs> overview. If you are piqued by any of this stuff, like you go, huh, I Google foo that shit because you have the power to go suss out your own details. This is just a like light touch. Yeah, this is not a how-to. No, there's no step-by-step instruction here. Um, number one, because we won't tell you how to witch. We don't appreciate being told how to witch. We're not going to tell you how. Um, and we're not going to tell you what your ethics or morals around any of these topics should be because that's individual. Correct. Um, and what your practice tells you and what your heart tells you is what's right for you. And if it's not right for you, that's okay. You don't have to use any of this information. Mm-hmm. That's fine. Um, so we were sussing it out and we said, you know, so sacrificial magic, when we think about that, so what's a sacrifice? An offering, a gift, a right? boon. Yeah. And and we do lots of sacrifices when we're doing magic anyway. We call them offerings, right? So we leave cakes and wine. We leave milk and honey out for the fae. Yeah, we leave cool water. We use tobacco smoke. We offer the first fruits. Right? And those are very comfortable sacrifices. Those are comfortable levels of sacrifices. But if we look back... You know, uh, without getting drug into, like, the sensationalism of Hollywood, there is a history of there being blood sacrifice. Um, animal sacrifice and even human sacrifice have been recorded as something that people did um, as a way of making offerings to the land or the gods mm-hmm. or um, what have you. So it's not a make-up, make-believe thing. It's something that's actually happened. And when we sat down and we talked about it, we said, you know, People do sacrificial magic all day, every day. Every day, every time. If you are a person who eats animal proteins, you are doing sacrificial magic every single day. Mm -hmm. So we just wanted to put that out there. Like, I don't personally have a concept of like good and evil, but in case you do, I wanted to reassure you that sacrificial magic is not evil. It's not good either. It just is. It just is. Yeah. Um, But it's commonplace. Those animals that you eat are sacrifices. They're sacrifices that are being offered to you by the planet to fuel your body, to keep you going, to do your work that you're here. And we don't give it a whole lot of thought, probably because we're pretty disconnected from the process. Right. And as a person who grew up on a farm where I experienced at a very young age the process of the circle of life where you bring in or you hatch something or you bring in the baby and then you grow it and you feed it and you nurture it and you commune with it and then it's time for her to harvest it and then you do the death rites with it and then you consume it like that's a whole big cycle and we do not have the ability totally another show but we do not have the ability in america as a rule to feed people with them being as connected to that cycle as i was Mm -hmm. growing up but we also don't want to think about it Right. We don't want to think about what it has, what it takes now to agriculturally feed animals to us. We just, because if we did, we would be horrified. <laughs> and we, we would just, and some people are like, get to that point, which leads them to be like, I'm going to become a vegetarian. I cannot partake in this sacrifice anymore because it just is too harsh. And that's totally your thing. And I totally get it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is completely valid. And the and same thing if you're going to go to the far, far other side of that with veganism where you're consuming no animal product whatsoever 
more power to you. That's amazing. Um, thank you for your contribution, thank you for your contribution to the longevity of the planet. Thank Correct. you. Um, but at the same time, I think you can be consciously aware. Like I pray all the time when I eat, even if it's crap food for me, but that it's derived from animal, you know, uh, basis because I know what it takes, but then I'm, I'm from my perspective, I've been there. I did it. Mm-hmm. You know, I've had my hand in more animals than you can possibly imagine processing, but I've also had them suckle and I've also like been through their sicknesses and things like I get it. I don't think I've ever had a more meaningful meal than when we sat down um, at a friend's house on a farm south of here, a few couple states south of here, and they were raising feeder bunnies. Mm-hmm. And I got to help take care of the bunnies for a week or so, and then I got to help call the herd. And I was there while we cuddled the bunnies and we humanely dispatched the bunnies and we dressed the bunnies and we butchered the bunnies and we made the bunnies into an absolutely delightful salad with cranberries and spring onions and um, olive oil from the garden. And it was the most meaningful meal I've ever had in my life. And it was difficult to dispatch those animals, but it was done knowing that that was their purpose. And I cherish that experience as difficult as it was. I cherish that experience. And because I am a classically trained chef, I have a deep and profound appreciation for where my food comes from. Mm-hmm. So that's just a, something that all of us do every day, but whether we do it in a mindful manner is completely individual. Right. Um, and, and we're not, I'm not saying like you're good or bad if you're not, but it's just something to think about. Like if, if the idea of sacrificial magic makes you nervous or you think that, oh, I can never you, just be aware that you do it every day mm-hmm. if you do eat meat. And even in some ways as a vegetarian, you're doing the same thing to plants. Yep. I mean, they have a vitality and they're alive. And so you're, you know, like, I, so, so when we talk about offerings, be them, you know, blood, blood magic or, you know, energetic magic, like it's time, money, attention, what yeah, have you. Exactly. So that's what we're talking about. Yep. So when we talk about that, um, another thing that might make it a little bit more accessible is the concept of divine sacrifice. And that is something that we see in a lot of different cultures and a lot of different um, mythologies or religious tales or what have you. Um, I'm certainly not trying to be dismissive. I'm just trying to find the right word. Um, But when you talk about divine sacrifice, that's when when a divine being, a god or goddess, actually sacrifices themselves. For you. Right? In your faith, yeah. So um, you've got Dionysus who um, was sacrificed. You have Osiris who was sacrificed. You have Ambrosia who was sacrificed and fed to the other gods, mind you. And then probably the one here um, in the United States we're most familiar with was the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. um, Who sacrificed himself so that you didn't have to sacrifice any more humans. Um, And it's kind of a big deal. Um, but when you think about it, it's it's sort of like the ultimate gift to give unto yourself so that other people can live. And that makes it less scary for me when I think of it that way. Mm-hmm. Um, in the Celtic traditions, it was not unusual for the king to sacrifice himself, mm-hmm. um, to spill his blood upon the land to ensure that we made it through the winter. And so those are tales of divine sacrifice that 
may or may not be familiar to you, you may want to seek out more information about that because it speaks to the nature of sovereignty and the duty of wearing the crown. And I think you can even go even further into that idea like you do with the sacrifice of your meals on a daily basis um, with, with the animals is that if you've decided to be a parent, there, I think, is a, a sort of divine sacrifice because a, a lot of parents that will do absolutely whatever mm-hmm. it takes to provide for their child, which means oftentimes sacrificing themselves. Mm-hmm. If you are a pet owner and the mm-hmm. first thing you do when you get up in the morning is tend to the needs of your animal, you feed your animal before you feed yourself, mm-hmm. that's a sacrifice. Yep. There are times my my cats got food when I didn't. Mm-hmm. That was my re- that's been a reality in the, in the last, you know, six years or so. I can clearly remember times growing up when mom was having to choose between feeding the horses and feeding me and me telling her, feed the horses, I'll eat at grandma's. Mm-hmm. You know? Um, so we're familiar with sacrifice. It's just that when somebody says it in terms of magic or especially if you start talking about blood sacrifice, we get a little queasy and a little weirded out. And there's really, in my experience, no reason to do that. This kind of magic is super potent and juicy. It is. And I think blood magic can come in a lot of different ways. Mm -hmm. Um, As a, if you are a person who has a menses or, Mm -hmm. or your period and that blood is, is an offering every month. If you know, of, of the scientific biological fact that you threw an egg and the egg didn't get fertilized. So your body sheds the, the lining that would have been the nourishment, Mm -hmm. which is the ultimate. I mean, that's the fodder for the 3d printer that makes humans. And that comes out of you as a, as blood magic, which this is like, if I can express to people who identify as women all over the world, your blood is not dirty. Your blood mm. is not something that is gross or icky. It is the most powerful juice ever. Yep. <laughs> ever. And if we start thinking about it again as holy, um, I think it will dramatically affect our mindset and the, the treatment of women and girls and people who identify as feminine because it is the absolute sacrifice. Right. You know, and you're sacrificing multiple potentialities every month as long as you are a breeding female, you you know, you are sacrificing multiple parallel unrealized dimensions of existence, right? When you're shedding that stuff off, that's enormous power, enormous. And when I, you know, when I used to flow, I would use that all the time to mark my territory, you know, dudes be like, well, I peed on that. I'm like, yeah, I, I blooded on that. And they're like, ew. I'm like, yeah, I did. So it's mine. So fuck off. Yeah, I can't. I can't remember <laughs> what social media platform I was on, but there were pictures going around of a witch's jar, and they were trying to identify what was in it. And I was like, do you guys not know that that's what a tampon looks like when it's engorged with liquid? <laughs> <laughs> wow, we need to do better. Do better. <laughs> the vagina explore. <laughs> Um, so that's also why I joke with the hashtag, but not joke with the hashtag of my vagina is full of terror because my blood is freaking amazingly powerful. And the mysteries are deep. As opposed to if I'm offering my blood up in, in some type of magical practice where I'm purposefully, you know, 
opening my flesh to leak out some of my lifeblood mm-hmm. for the purpose of it. You know, that's, I think, similar, but it's it's a, a much more conscious directive. Right. And to be clear, we'll, we'll address the sort of like safety and hygienic protocols a little bit later on. But no, she's not talking about some big dramatic Hollywood bullshit where she's splicing her palm open with a giant dagger. We're talking about pricking your finger. and Yeah, and... I'm, I'm checking my blood every morning. <laughs> right? and I, Sacrifice. Am I okay? <laughs> All right, great. Maybe talking to Rumpelstiltskin. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> that stuff. But, it, but it is like that. We see this stuff in Hollywood. Like even our horror stories where, where we're visually talking about the blood and gore, it's, it's alarming because it's powerful and we know it you know our vampire stories are like there's all of these things in our mythoses that that tell us about how powerful the blood is um and that but then we also have reinforcement that anybody who wants to take it even when it's given freely are evil mm. and that i i i don't know that could be some subversive like anti-feminist kind of you know thing like women bleed that they must be evil you know it's like no it's... no bitches we just be tired no <laughs> tired and hungry and i will kill you if you don't bring me chocolate <laughs> right. my vagina is full of terror so blood magic when we when we talked about that we boiled that down to really simple like what is that it's a contract yep it's yep. a deal right sign it in blood you yep. know that that's you you cannot emphasize more your oath than by signing it with your own life. And it's like to go back to the vampire mythos. Like there's no bigger deal to be had than trading your blood for immortality. Right. Right. There's no bigger contract than one that lasts forever. So blood magic is potent. It's a contract and it's normally a contract with something divine, maybe an elemental, maybe a spirit, maybe an ancestor. Um, or a house. Or a house <laughs> or a fae or, or something to that level. And so it's it's a big ask. It's a big deal. Um, and it's something that needs to be carefully considered because contracts are not jokes. Well, no. And it's it's like bringing a bazooka to a knife fight, literally. <laughs> like it's the big guns. It's the thing that says, no, I'm I'm all in. So I'm should, putting my DNA in here. Yeah. Should we talk about your contract with, with the house? Yeah, um, it's also one of those things about consent, I think, is also, uh, in, it juices the magic. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously something that is taken without permission, I just don't think is going to have the same impact. Or maybe you've given permission, but not on a conscious level. On a conscious level. level that yeah. was the situation. Like, this house picked me, mm-hmm. and uh, I went, oh, oh well, Yeah. <laughs> Um, and the second time being in this house, uh, there was a situation that I was going down in the basement for the very first time. And my landlord was saying, um, hey, I've been fixing these stairs. And so you got to be careful of the these nails that I have to replace. So he would ask. But I was like the fourth person in line going into this old 130-year-old house basement. And... Uh, I didn't hear him. It was like, and then I proceeded to drive like two and a half inches of a nail into my heel. Guys, there was an audible pop. Yeah. And because Tanji was there. And my very first step on the foundation of this house was etched into my brain because it was bright red blood that just gushed out of me. Didn't hurt. 
but it gushed out of me. And the very first step on the on the foundation was a perfect human footprint in bright ass red. Every toe, every in, like it was a perfect footprint into the cement concrete of the house. And then there was lots more blood and there was lots of, oh, 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 as we tried to figure out how to handle that. And then laughingly later, my landlord epoxied the floor. Mm -hmm. And so that caught, and I looked at him and I said, you're so cute. We hadn't signed a lease yet. (laughs) We'd all agreed that this was verbally what was going to happen, but we were just finishing. We were picking colors on the walls and things. And I just looked at him and said, yeah, it's so cute that you're going to have a, a contract that we signed, but uh, pretty much the house just told me what's what, and you're not getting me out of here anytime <laughs> soon, so good luck with that. And he just was like, um, that was his first foray into the, the fierceness of the gray. <laughs> but this house decided, yep. and I had agreed at some level, and so blood was brought yep. and share, and put, and I am now claimed by this house and thankfully there was that. no tetanus or locked jaw absolutely so we're all good. none we're all good he's like oh i had to call insurance i'm like we will be knowing doing no such thing this was this was a thing that has nothing to do with anything other than the the stewardship agreement and this is not some mundane stuff this is no, magical this is magical woo-woo shit yep. and he was like oh okay. okay i think he's come around though oh he has yeah yeah. Um, so that's kind of our spiel on the blood magic. And then the next thing is is we're going to get deep. And this is about death magic. And... Such ooh, a controversial topic. Right. But this is this is the fuel that, that makes mm-hmm. it go. Like this is the activation of, of the desire or the wish or the intention that's being sent out. And so this is when we have to get into having the discussion of how do you harness death for magical purposes. And I'm going to say this again. I know I said it earlier. I'm going to say it again right here, right now. Keep your ethics and morals as you will. They are yours. Do what is right for you. I will do what is right for me. She will do what is right for her. That's right. They will do what is right for them. And we will all be okay. Mm-hmm. We'll all be okay. So here's where we get into, we got to talk about the the big C, Right. COVID-19 is quite possibly, in my opinion, the biggest road opening magic available to us right now. This is a tsunami of juicy, magical energy that is going to be harnessed by someone or someones. And they're going to use it for their intent and their purpose. I'm going to use it for mine, which is to turn the wheel and move us into the next golden age. That's my intention. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, so when we talk about COVID-19 globally, there are right now, as of this recording, 38.3 million people sick on this planet with this virus and 1.1 million people have died from this virus. In the United States alone, as of today, there are 7.9 million people sick with this virus and 216,000 Americans have succumbed to this virus that we know of. That has been, these are the numbers that are being given to us. Right. I truly believe that number is most likely higher. Mm-hmm. That does not include the subcategories of people that have recovered from the virus, but have far reaching effects that could possibly shorten their life right. later. 
long-term consequences, long-term consequences that we don't know yet. That we have no idea about. Yeah. And so we're looking at it and we thought, God, you know, the United States has about less than 5% of the global population, but 20% of the global population deaths from this virus. Why? What? <laughs> what? That's a, that's a number that's been keeping me up at night. We are the third most populous nation on the planet behind China and India. Um, China and India both have about 18% of the global population, and yet they're reporting less than half of the number of fatalities from this illness that we are here in the United States. That, again, being said, those are the numbers that are being reported. We don't know those to be true. All of the numbers, mm-hmm. right? Um, because it's difficult. This is something that's constantly changing and evolving every day. Um, some things may not be reported timely or at all. Some things may be misreported. We're really probably never going to know the full extent of how fatal this virus is. Um, but we do know that the United States seems to be carrying a heavy load. And I don't, I mean, aside from the people who are anti-mask and people who are mask and the fact that we're so big and we can't, you know, lock things down, but yet China and India are super big. And they seem to have locked things down and moved things on unless, I mean, their numbers are like horrifically wrong. So this like 21% factor, when I, I, I was spurred on by this, that started this conversation with Tangie because I was watching this like over the length of the time that we have been exposed to the virus since last winter on the planet and how people were cooking along a certain way and then America, you know, the United States of America just went pew through the roof when, when you see it, just like a rocket launching to the moon. And I'm like, what is happening? There has to be something going on here that is at a contractual cosmic level of souls. Mm-hmm. And it reminded me, and it harkened back to when we went through 9-11 19 years ago. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that, what was it, 2,977 people stuck in my brain. I can't, I can't get it out. We thought that at the time was a horrific number. And it was because the loss of any life is a horrific number. But as a nation, we were stunned at this number. And yet here we are, 216,000 people in a short period of time and it's like we're like meh you know and i think it's because we're not seeing it you know it, it's not televised we don't have people laying in hospital beds dying by the thousands well we did front, though like like what like we did with dying 11 like we watched it happen instantaneously well it was a concentrated right? amount of things in a very short period of time whereas this has been that egregious but i and we have and we have I think 24-7 news on more now than we did then. It's just so overwhelming, the sheer volume that we can't... Like, I don't, if, is it a comprehension problem? Yeah, I think if you ran everybody's name on the news that has passed away from this on one of these 24-hour news channels, that would be all they did was read these names. I think we're just... I think the number's too big for us to, like, grok it. It's just too big. And so going... That aside, going back to like how we were impacted and felt as a nation Mm. at that time um, with this horrific event, 
uh, whether you believe it was manufactured or whatever, like I have my it own. Happened. It, it happened. It was a reality. Um, and just like this is happening. It's a reality. But there, there were people that I had in my life at the time that I was working with. Some people that were, I was working energy healing work where they were working on me. And uh, I had this very interesting discussion with a, a person I was working with. Um, for healing where he went out to the East Coast at, right after 9-11 and in his description, whether you want to call this like BS or whatever, but I don't let people work on my body who I have not vetted because it's my fucking body. So if that has any gravitas for you, Groovy, it doesn't matter if you believe this or not, but I'm just saying, just so you know, I just don't run around and let anyone work in my shit if I haven't vetted them so this person was talking about how they went out there with a group of people <sighs> to help transition souls that had gotten popped out of their body mm. quickly because of the tragedy and the trauma of the whether you were in the planes or you were in the buildings and you were like people were consciously choosing to jump out of a building Okay, let's just remember that. Rather than die of smoke Rather than die of smoke. They were just like, I'm, I'm just going to jump. Mm-hmm. Or, or. So he said that there were a lot of souls that were violently removed from their per- meat suit and that were confused. And so there were people going out there in a contingent groups of uh, waves of people just like uh, any kind of relief. Mm-hmm. This was on an energetic level to help these peeps get through the doorways that they needed to do to be at peace and move on and not be stuck here. Even though I truly believe that my belief is that you have a contract, you know when you're leaving, you just conveniently forget. And so you have a purpose and your exit date is just to set as your entry date. Right. Um, And so they had agreed to that, but at some level, your soul made an agreement to be a sacrifice for something. We don't necessarily know yet the far-reaching effects of what did 9 11 because it affected and impacted the planet and the people on it. Yes. Just like COVID is doing. So when we look back to t- almost 20 years ago and that event and its trigger of what it did, what is this one going to do? Just yeah. like what did the Spanish flu do at the end of World War One? You know, like there are these like far-reaching ripple effects of this kind of exodus of beings from their corporeal forms. So what does that create? That creates an energy, like for those of us that have had the privilege of, of being present when people have crossed over. Yeah. Um, if you have not in your life ever been in the presence of a body once the soul has left before embalming has happened, I tell you, it's a very transformative experience to understand how the spirit animates the flesh. And when you are not in your body, the body itself is like a piece of driftwood, you know, like it's not animated by the energy. So, so if that is energy and we have countless reports of people saying they've witnessed souls leaving the body. Um, hospice workers, that kind of thing, mm-hmm. where you just know when that crossover happens, but that creates some kind of energetic 
burst or effervescence, mm-hmm. if you will. So when, when we were talking about this, like when I have been present for somebody's passing, I don't see like, I don't see them floating out of their body or see any light or anything like that, but I feel a change in pressure. And yeah. I was telling Dana, it's almost like when you pop open a bottle of champagne, right? Mm-hmm. There's that initial, right? But the bubbles are still in the bottle. Yep. Right? And they come out of their own at their own time when they're ready. But they do eventually come out or they dissipate and, and they're gone. But there is still an effervescence while it, while the bubbles are leaving the bottle. In this case, while the energy is leaving the body. Um, so there's a, there's a burst, but there's also a shimmering of something that's still kind of working its way out. And I have experienced in, in my... Uh, personal experiences with people crossing over is there's also a frequency. Mm. There's a pressure in the ears and a frequency shift that happens. Sometimes a sounding of a certain tone so that there is definitely this kind of like alchemical reaction, I guess Mm -hmm. you would think of between the, the being here and then not being here that in that moment leaves this, energy while the soul I per- again hypotheses because we do not fucking know what happens when we die <laughs> I don't care what belief system is we we have best guesses and hopes yeah and dreams <laughs> it would be nice even right? as somebody who's had a couple near-death experiences I can't tell you I can't right um so what is so on the playing field mm-hmm. right now there is a certain amount of energy that is floating in the in between on the on the battlefield that can be leveraged if you wish to do that and it is my belief although i have absolutely no empirical evidence to support this assertion it is my belief that there are people there are practitioners out there who are already scooping up this energy and using it for their own purposes be they good or baneful i do not know but i know that they are using the energy for their own intentions. And as a smart magical practitioner, I'm trying to come up with a way that fits with my personal ethics and my traditions morals that will allow me to harness that energy to do some good in this world. That's where I am with this. And it may sound morbid and like weird and like, how dare you? Yeah. like. Quit being like a vulture, but number one, let me just clear this up. I'm a death maiden, right? Corvids are my animals de jour. They are always with me. I hang out with things that eat dead things all the time. Well, and goddess be praised and God be praised for all of those creatures that do that. Or we would be sitting in toxic putrefaction mm-hmm. all the time. Like squirrels on the freeway or squirrels on the road being eaten by the carrion birds and beings, including the little starlings that everyone thinks, oh, starlings. No, they eat meat Um, (laughs) because they will eat whatever is available because survival. Right. And just whatever you come along is what you come along. So the thing is, is that if you are going to survive, you have to use what's presented to you, even though it may be a little distasteful and a little uncomfortable. That may also be a sign that you're about to do something that's going to lie to grow. Well, and I think too, like what, what is this moment that we're in? Like, again, I think 
you know, we were looking at some of the, again, we are not astrologers. We like a play one on TV if we're lucky and we're only an extra. We know astrologers. We are not astrologers. <laughs> right. So, but I, you know, I've, I've been in conversations with some of them where we're talking about like, what, where are we in this like cycle of the Zodiac? Where are we in the, you know, we're, we're coming up on this age of Aquarius or we're in this age of Aquarius or we're transitioning from Pisces to Aquarius. We talk about it. We mark it like every 2,000 years as a change of an age. Our country is 244 years old this year. And we're in this cycle where we're, you know, December 21st is going to be this conjunction and it begins. Like we're now actually transitioning to an age and is all of this energy being left on the field for this mass exodus? Because it's not over. No. We're not done with this. It's, I, you know, I don't want to say that I predict, but I would not be surprised if our numbers are doubled easily by the time we get to a year from lockdown. Yeah, it's, it's, um. So then what's happening with that energy is being presented for a reason. So when we talked about this, we said that in December, um, right around Yule, (laughs) as, as fate would have it. Um, Jupiter and Saturn are going to be conjunct, right? And they're going to be sitting, like, right smack dab in the, like, just the first little section of Aquarius. So the two slowest planets. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the teacher and the luck bringer are like, hey, haven't seen you in several thousand years. How you doing? So here we are. We're the slowest ones. And now we are going to sit in the energetic hub that makes stuff go. Right. Right. Which also, we're, you know, that we only have this age of dot 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 kind of remarked back to leo which was you know like 10,800 bc because we don't have any records earlier than that so in our starting point of marking the ages we're halfway through the cycle and aquarius is opposite of leo and it's like the next leveling up of what leo is which is you know big energy yeah, so Leo is like big creator energy. It's fire energy, right? It's like yeah, it's, it's our star. Yeah, it's it's the big energy, and so Aquarius takes that that sort of like out of control, burning Leo energy and levels it to the next. We're in a crucible, you guys. Yeah. So like you would imagine that a lot of sacrifice would have to, a lot of offerings. It, when you're thinking like a practitioner, mm-hmm. a magical practitioner, like. If you want to drive the long distance or you want to take it to the next level, if we want to go to the moon, we have to strap lots of freaking shit on our butts and light it and push us up there. Strap a rocket to your Like ass. the indigenous people are like, you can just go there in your mind. I don't understand why. Okay, whatever. You guys are so literal. <laughs> They're so weird. Um, but so like, is this, and again, this is just what keeps me up at night going, Why? I need to understand why so that maybe I can feel better. I don't know. Like, it's like, I've had to totally give up my business for the last seven months. And it's terrifying. And I need to know why we're doing that. Like it, it has to have a bigger purpose for me to say that not only the sacrifice of the death of people, but the sacrifice of my own physical ability to provide for myself <laughs> and help other people like I've been doing has been completely shut the fuck down. Well, the sacrifice of our comfort and our way of life. Right. I So I need to know why. 
So that's what this whole show is about. Is I need to know why. Yeah, it was just a big why is this happening conversation. <laughs> and so, guys, we spun out of control. And I was just like, there are an awful lot of bodies on the altar. I don't know why for. And what we're not smart, are we, if we just let that go by? I mean, we talk about things like whale fall. Because I'm a huge into the cetaceans and like Also, whale... she speaks whale, you I guys. speak whale. So... When a whale falls, what it's called, when a whale dies and its carcass will float for a while until it starts to rot, and then it will slowly start to sink to the eventual bottom, and it can take several years for a, a large, one of the largest mammals on the planet to be fully consumed by all the different ecosystems that benefit from this whale's death. Right? You know? That's a lot of that's a lot of meat. That's a lot of fat. That's, that's a, a lot, lot of, of bones. It's a lot of energy. It's a lot of every single thing. And and you can like I watched one of these documentaries where they showed the life of the whale fall and all of the it was it blew my shit. It blew my <laughs> shit right up. I mean, you you know like you go well that makes sense. But when you watch it, you're like, what am I? And they speed it up because they've like filmed it for a year. And then they speed up all the little crabs and all the little things and the organisms and the little tiny things. You're like, oh my gosh. It, like, but isn't that what's happening? If you take a 216,000 like, people mm-hmm. and you were to lay them out, that would be the hugest whale fall, right? Incredible. And what is that feeding? And who is that feeding? And who, like, what, how are we honoring these people? Mm-hmm. Are we honoring them by not thinking about them? Are we honoring them by just going, I don't want to look, you know, or are we actually going to honor their sacrifice by utilizing that fuel and trying to figure out what the fuck direction we're going? Right. And so then you're sitting here and we're wondering why I'm battling with just crippling, horrific depression that I've never felt in my life. My darlings, it's not to be a Star Wars geek, but I heard the force cry out. Yeah. And the grief is huge. But it's doing things like civil unrest and upheaval and look at the systematic bullshit that we can no longer abide. Right. Going into this new era, this new age, this type of thinking is no longer going to function. The duality, the diversity, the separation, those are Piscean things. When you think about the sign of Pisces, you see two fishes, usually opposite ones. You think about yin and yang. You know, they're circling around each other and they're never connecting. Never connecting. No, it's the soul and the body. Right? Aquarius, totally something different. That's a different energy. Mm -hmm. So what is that energy about? That energy is about, you know, humanitarianism. It's about... Gaining and accessing and utilizing knowledge. It's about leveraging technology and reason and rationality and humanity, right? And while Aquarius recognizes that, yes, each individual is important, they really are. Each one of you is is dear and precious and a necessary part of what we're trying to do. You're not important if you're just part of this big amorphous mass this big mob okay because mobs are easy to control and manipulate yep that's ding, not ding, ding. that is not the energy of aquarius aquarius wants you to recognize your individual accountability and level up level up and recognize that you can make 
the world a better place. And that is not about always being the brightest star. It is about being where you are in your influential area and doing the thing that you are supposed to do. Well, and everybody gets their moment. Mm -hmm. Okay, you're playing in the band. Okay, every instrument in the band is important. The brass section is important. The percussion session is important. The string session is It's all important. Even the kid with the cymbals gets to crash every once in a while and have their moment. You just have to wait for your moment. But meanwhile, keep playing your part. Keep playing the song. And watch for opportunity. And what? listen to everyone around you. Right. So, like... Like, so this was like, like the big thoughts coming out of this conversation of what is being offered here. And like Tandy said earlier, like it's the largest road opening juice. Yeah. That is possible. This tsunami of. This is just stuff. Magical energy on, on a level that I have never seen in my lifetime and will probably hopefully never see again. There is so much potency available for work. It would be foolish, I think, to let that go unused for the purpose of making the world a better place. Because I'll tell you what, when you look back on, quote unquote, I'm using air quotes, history, because we know that that's all like... H-I-S. H, yeah. His story. But it's also like left out a whole bunch of vital shit. But you look at something like the end of World War One, when millions and millions of people died due to the Spanish flu. Like it was, it was beyond comprehension. There are people that harnessed that, whether for good purposes or bad purposes, however you want to do it, but they leveraged that energy to have a huge effect on the course of history. The, the boat that was floating at the time. Absolutely. And when we think about our writers, our artists, our filmmakers, our screenwriters, do you think about these people who write all these things that are alternative histories? I don't think they're necessarily writing alternative histories. I think they're writing about timelines that are going on simultaneously that we're not seeing. These are the roads that we didn't pick. Mm-hmm. These are the paths that we didn't go down. And these are the potentialities that we did not fulfill. Which leads us to the idea of in this coming new age where we're working on humanitarianism and we're looking towards a more um, united, cohesive world. Yeah, this hierarchical this bullshit. Hi- this is hierarchical over. bullshit is not going to work anymore. Like we, that served its purpose. We cannot say it was good or bad, really, because it got us to here. Right. Yep. Now, is it out of balance and has it been uh, manipulated and, and skewed? Absolutely. Do we like that? Well, here's the question we get to ask ourselves now. Do you like this? Because if you don't, shift it. If you are not satisfied with the way that the system is operating, this is your opportunity to upload a new operating system. Which we're all going to have to do. It's happening even with our tech. Like, 
I have a relatively old, I mean, my computer, my laptop is, you know, several years old. I'm still running Windows 7 because I just, ugh, I'm not the f- person that comes out of the gate. I have a, I have a freaking hand-me-down. Honestly, it, it's a more Android, stable operating system like, than 10. Right. But, well, that's another show. But I have a Samsung, <laughs> like, 5. Like, it, I, I'm not, like, the person that runs out to get the new tech because I'm a, I'm a, mid, I'm a moderate when it comes to tech. Well, I'm going to wait until the bugs get worked <laughs> that's out. That's right. Yeah. But... Like, eventually, I have to capitulate to the fact that this system is no longer going to be supported and I don't get to use it anymore. Right. And I think we're approaching that, whether we'll see it in our lifetime, I hope. But I, I just think that the way that, that things have been in this too, I mean, the United States of America is truly an experiment. Is the experiment over? Don't know. Is it just leveling up to the next phase? don't know is it completely going to break down because it has been built upon the blood sacrifice of the unwilling the unwilling non-consensual non-consensual you know because blood magic also will out mm-hmm. okay no matter what it is a contract and that contract is either due or has timed out or that operating system has served its purpose as hor- horrific as it has been for so many people. And it's done now. I mean, we just passed Indigenous Day this Monday. And I cried a lot that day. I just mm-hmm. laid in bed and cried because I was out on TikTok and I was watching all of these Indigenous elders coming onto TikTok for the very first time and singing their songs and doing their dances and, and, speaking of the horrors that they experienced and their grandparents experienced in being taken from their homes and put into these schools and stripped of their culture. And we just don't talk about here in America enough, in my opinion, having grown up next to a reservation. It's, it's appalling. It's appalling. And that blood contract as well as the contract with the people that were brought over in multiple different versions of slave, you know, processes that cannot abide anymore because it's, it, our whole country was built on it. And I, I don't think it's going to remain a oh, contract no. that can be, you know, that it's, it's, you know, so is, so that is a form of sacrificial and that, magic. that check is come due. Absolutely. So, due. so we, we cannot, in my opinion, and I'm getting preachy, but we're sitting in a place now where, where it's put up or shut up. Right? Okay. Either you're gonna you're gonna participate in making the world a better place, or you're gonna participate in making the world a shithole. That's up to you. Or you're not gonna participate, and you're gonna passively accept whatever the consequences are. It's totally fine. But, but those are the choices, right? And they're. They're not good, bad, or, or otherwise. They're just the choices. What we do determines who we are. Right. And if you're going to do magic of any kind, there is that you you do the work. Hopefully you do it well. You get a result. Mm. If it's not the result that you want, you do it again. And you refine it and hope, you know, like it's always a crapshoot. Well, and it's, it's my, it's been my experience that when you are a magical practitioner and you are intent on a goal and 
you are doing everything you can do to make it happen and it doesn't happen, there's a couple things that could be going on. Maybe three, okay? One of them is, it ain't for you, it's never gonna be for you, the answer is no. The second thing is, you're getting in your own damn way. You're saying you want this, but you're not doing the things that you need to do to have this. And you're incoherent with yourself. Right, you are just incongruent with what you're asking for. Or number three, you just don't have enough juice. Right, and then the next step is, where do I get the juice? Where do I get the juice? So this is gonna bring us back around again. Um, so I wanted to talk specifically about when we're doing sacrificial magic and we're doing blood magic once again. Blood magic is not evil. Blood magic is not good. Blood magic just is, it is a tool. Your blood has a sacred life force and magical energy in and of itself. You must proceed with caution and respect. If you are going to do blood magic and you have never done it before, please read some books, talk to some elders, get some advice, and for heaven's sakes, safety first, okay? You only need a drop of blood, like we said earlier. You don't need to be slicing your whole hand open with a big ceremonial dagger. A lancet will do just fine. Make sure you sterilize your fingertip before you pierce your fingertip. Especially in times of right? COVID. Sanitize your fingertip. Sanitize your lancet if it doesn't come that way. Or a sewing needle if you can't get a lancet. Single use. Dispose of it appropriately and safely. Right? Um, and do not consume blood okay bloodborne illnesses are a thing it's not something you want it can cause you to have multiple organ failures and die so that's my that's quick safety tips from tangy if you're going to do blood magic <laughs> um be smart do some research and just do it in the safest and listen way possible to your animal body like what does it tell you be in tune with yourself mm -hmm. and so what are some things you can do with it you can mix it with some oil. You can anoint candles, talismans, and tools with that. You can mix it in with some loose incense and make your own incense blend. You can put it into a jar or a bottle for some container magic. Um, you can mix it into some salt dough. You could smear it onto your petition paper if you want to be super dramatic. You can sign your name in blood with a quill, I guess. Um, <laughs> you can put it in mojo bags. You can put it in poppets. Um, if you're going to do some health magic on yourself, it's a good idea to put a drop of your blood in there. Yeah, it's a linking tool. Right? So it doesn't sound that scary when you say it that way, does it? Hmm. Right? Because it's not. It's not that scary. Um, it's, it's a tool. But it is a sacred tool, just like any other tool that you use in your practices. It is part of you. That's mm -hmm. pretty damn special. And I think too, like when, you know, all we're asking with this conversation, because that's what it is, is a conversation and a what if and a how come why, yeah. um, is just to start thinking about these things. Like, what is this for you? I know for me, I'm having to transition a lot of identity things that I'm dealing with as I laid in bed depressed, which is unusual for me uh, for that period of time. Um, which I know for some people who struggle with this all the time, God is, God's bless you because to go through that every day, oh, I just, my heart breaks because it's, it's hard. But the identity stuff I'm looking at is like, what is my operating system? Does my operating system serve me anymore? Is it going to be the thing that's going to work with where I am right now? 
and where I would like to be if I'm not getting what I need. And looking around at the resources that I have and saying, what do I need to make this stuff go? And what kind of sacrifices do I need to make? Because sometimes sacrifice, we're coming up on the Celtic New Year. We're coming up on Samhain. It is the time when the bone mother comes to take that which no longer serves you. And she will transmute it into something else because everything is everything. So if you don't need it anymore and you don't want to go into the darkness part of the year sitting in your own filth and putrefied yuck, you leave it out on the on the curb for her to come pick up and re-knit it into Christmas presents. Right. You know, like, like, I know that a lot of people think that, you know, we light these bonfires to keep the darkness away, but they're ritual fires. You, yeah. you burn away and let go of that which you no longer want or need or no longer serves you. So... There are some, there's, there's some reason to this. It's not just, you know, we're afraid of the dark. We're not afraid of the dark. Well, okay, maybe sometimes. Um, but I'm not afraid of the dark. That's a tool too. Mm-hmm. But being in a place where, for me as a magical practitioner, the hardest question that I ever ask myself when I sit down to do any kind of work is, what do I want? That's the hardest question for me. Um, what do I want? Yeah, that's that's the thing I've been wrestling with too with this identity work is the there's the there's the things that I wanted when I was twenty and thirty that I've come to the threshold of crossing over into fifty and I'm like, do okay, so I, I manifested some of those things and some of them I didn't. And do I need to do that anymore? Because I programmed myself so acutely with that if I'm not successful, if I don't get XYZ done in my lifetime. But there is that reassessment period of, is that even what I want anymore? Or is that just what I've conditioned myself? It's hard enough for us as humans to hear our inner speak all the time and our inner thoughts. And we're we're constantly reinforcing the neural pathways that says, do this, do that, don't do this, blah, blah, blah. And then the outside pressure of what's being programmed at us. Yep by the media, by the social media, by whatever. I love my TikTok, but the algorithm is Oracle as it can be. will also try to program the shit out of you <laughs> because it does. It's not, it's not functioning from the human condition. It's functioning from a directive that you sometimes tell it. And sometimes, right. you know, it's all being driven by money. So the reason that TikTok is so fun right now is because they haven't really figured out how to monetize shit in your face and once they do that it'll be totally ruined <laughs> just like facebook was just like myspace yeah. was because that's what we do then we'll move on to the and next we'll move thing. on to the next thing you know because that's the human nature but i'm sitting here trying to figure out like what do i need to jettison in the fire of Samhain to say i need to transmute this and be done with this part because this is no longer serving me and i'm at this point where i was literally going do i is this where i jettison the entire operating system just without even looking at my files and whether that was like a feeling of I was reflecting the loss of my friend who chose to end his life and I looked at that and went huh I completely understand why that would be an option is that an option for me and I had to do a lot of work Mm. you know under the covers and just like ugh. and thankfully the universe said in another algorithm hey you need to watch The Expanse because you haven't watched that yes. yet. So I've been like <sighs> sucking up the binging of The Expanse and holy crap. Anyway, you know, so like this is the time. This is the time. This is the this is the time when the wheel of the of the year turns in such a way that it's absolutely in your benefit. 
effortlessly for you to jettison these things and to think about these sacrifices and make them. Well, and I'm going to go so far as to, as to say this. It is my opinion as magical practitioner that anything is possible at any time. Yep. Anything is possible at any time. Nothing is impossible. Some things are unlikely. Some things are improbable. Um, some things are incredibly difficult. But most of the time, the things that make things impossible um, come from within, within us because of, we've made some limited beliefs and boundaries that maybe don't apply to us anymore. Yep. Um, and so those are the things that I'm trying to work on, like is figuring out like, what are my beliefs? What are the things that I believe? What are the things that other people have taught me to believe that aren't even my beliefs that I can just like totally let go of? And it's a constant process. Um, sometimes things pop up and I go, do I believe that? Why do I believe that? What experiences have I had to reinforce that as a truth? None? Well, then this is bullshit and it's not mine. I don't need it anymore. Well, and I think too, the COVID-19's presence, because we are having those like randomified, we don't know when somebody gets sick, if they're going to make it or not. I mean, we I just nope. found out that two dear friends of mine had COVID for eight weeks. Good Lord. You know, and I, I didn't know because they weren't necessarily like broadcasting it, but they're, you know, like one of them is like possibly you know, in that category of higher vulnerability and the other is not. Oh, God is blessed. But, it, you know, I'm so grateful that they're still here. But, like, we have this, like, somewhat randomized kind of thing that's asking, like, if this was, if your time is done now, did you get your shit done? Mm. You know? And if you didn't, what are you going to do to do that? I mean, I'm being faced with my mom's mortality. And at the same time, like, it's a natural order of things that your parents will eventually, you know, transition I don't want her to go until she's ready to go and she's, you know, willing to fight and do all this stuff. But it's like, not only was I dealing with like three deaths of friends in a mm -hmm. couple of months, but then my mom not only had this cancer she was dealing with, now it's in another part of her body. Mm. And it, so it was just too much. Yeah. Why does moving from elder to ancestor have to be so difficult? I don't like it. Um, <laughs> you know? I don't like it one bit. Um, so I'm just going to put that out to the universe. Um, when it's my time, just pluck me out. Don't. <laughs> Just don't even waste some time. I'm okay with being a little discombobulated and having to have somebody come and fetch me. I don't like a death maiden or a death dealer or whatever. Just send somebody to come sort my ass out because I, I don't want to wait. I'm not patient. <laughs> well, and I, I ended up doing a divination on this topic while we were preparing for the show. And I want to share it real quick because we're getting close toward the end. And I, I don't want right. to. So it's, it's time for me to shut up. No, it. it's okay. not time I mean, for you to shut up. Like, it's, it's just all the things that you're saying. Like, I, I very specifically went into this. And I, I'm dealing with the Divine Feminine Oracle Guidebook, which I, I'm, again, this is a newer to me deck. I'm absolutely in love with it. It's, what is it? Megan? It's Megan Watterson um, with art by Elizabeth Cheever Guestman. And it's like, you've seen these images around the internet. And again, they're, it's a absolutely gorgeous, gorgeous deck. I can't even express to you. Oh, there's lots of red in this It's reading. lots of red. Yep. Um, the whole deck has got lots of red. But the my query was... How do we collectively, um, as well as individuals a part of that collective, how do we best navigate this COVID crisis and its ongoingness, like going forward? We're, we've passed a six, seven month period now. We know experts are saying we're going to be dealing with this for another 24 months easily till there's a vaccine of some sort. So what is the biggest 
uh, aspect of this that we can harness for our own betterment. Mm -hmm. And this is what she said. So the first, I did the three card spread. So we've got um, Mary of Nazareth. Now we know Mother Mary of, of the Christian faith of Jesus. This, this, she is holy, holy of holies. Um, and gives know, birth to star the star of heaven and gives birth to the divine God, right? Yep. So we all know that, but what was really specific about this um, card is it's about her choice. She, at a young age, when she was engaged to Joseph, was approached by the archangel Gabriel and was told, you are going to bear the light of the world mm. sometime in the near future. Uh, and okay. and, and like, she she's like what like 14 yeah 14 right 15 years old and you know and this whole card was really about her choice of saying yes i will take this job or no i will not because she has free will right but it was about her making the decision definitively within her to say Yes, that is what I will do. And she chose the scary, terrifying answer. Okay. So that's kind of the gist of this. This card is in reversed. I don't interpret reverse as good or bad. I just look at it as blockage. So I think that uh, I interpret the message is we all are being asked that yes or no question. And we're struggling with not answering it. The blockage is. We're not choosing. Mm. Okay. It is yes or no, but you, there is no not choosing because not choosing is a choice. And if you want to be in charge of that, that sovereignty, you need to make the choice, right? Whatever that is for you. If you do not choose, it will be chosen for you and oh, well. Right. So the next one is, is something I'm not as familiar with and it comes out of the, the stories of Buddhism and it deals with um, Machi Labdron, which is a daikini and she um, was a teacher coming out of Tibet, was teaching some of the first teachings that came out of Tibet of Buddhism and she was really good at, like her living was made by reading this um, Heart Sutra, right? That's how she made her living. And then she got married and her and her husband and then her children's children, like they all were a part of this lineage of hers that was so powerful. And her teachings really dealt with like the dark and light within and the demon feeding your demons. And it's so interesting because in this practice of cutting off ritual, which is a, a ritual of sacrifice of your inner demon isn't necessarily like the scary monster. It's your inner ego and you cut your own body up and feed it in offering to the demon, thus creating this relationship of gratitude. Mm -hmm. So it's like that self-sacrifice, but it's not like the self-sacrificing, I'm going to like let myself die so this child can live kind of thing. It's more of making peace with your unconscious mind. In such a way that the two of you, your, your conscious and your unconscious work together. Well, and it's a powerful acknowledgement mm -hmm. to um, do some bloodletting to build a bridge between those those two parts of you. And it's about your own personal power. Like nothing should be able to derail you if you are whole within yourself and understand that this relationship, it's the darkness isn't actually dark. No. You know, um, 
it feels like that. Our intuition can kind of sometimes tell us that out of a fear. But when you become whole, even trying to become whole can be the most terrifying thing. Well, because your ego will always try and scare you away from anything that will lead to integration. Mm -hmm. Because the ego wants to remain separate because it needs to feel important. Right. And it's that once you and your ego can come to terms with each other, there's freedom. Yes. Right? So again, like not choosing the yes or no question that's being presented to you, this, this job, this integration period that happens where you're feeding yourself to this inner demon to um, offer it this ritual. It, again, it's like that sacrificial offering, that, that bloodletting, you know, mm -hmm. kind of a thing. And then we have um, Shekinah, who is, you know, the pure presence of the Divine Feminine in, in the Kabbalist uh, process where she is, she is the tree of life. She mm -hmm. is the root. She is the light that comes through with the Divine fe Masculine and Feminine in balance. And she's the center of absolutely everything, you know? So, like, to me, this is this beautiful triptych of... The question is asked, are you up for this great task? Yes or no integration and the self-sacrifice of your own, you know, coming together with your light and dark and in doing so you get the pure, you know, light. Like to me, this is a very hopeful divination because it says out of this craziness that we're experiencing right now, if you do your work, mm -hmm. we will come out in a better place as a race as a being as a as a as humanity as well as individuals like so there's the i think aquarius asks us with that leveling up like leos are also known to be very like uh pt barnum kind of like look at me kind of a thing mm -hmm. whereas yes that is great the me is important but the we is also important and if the me can be itself then together the we can be even better. And that I think is what Shekinah is telling us is that we already know, but we gotta just get over the, we gotta you know, get out of the way. Gotta get out of the way. Yeah. <laughs> gotta feed ourselves to ourselves. We gotta like be at peace with that. So this is a perfect time of year for that. But I just, you know, in essence, this whole conversation coming out of managing our own mental health and understanding and seeing those around us in so much pain and so much needing a lot more clarity. Like it's so hard to just look around and not be despaired. And um, I, I am all about like, how do I get myself out of this situation? What are the tools? It's like you're in your own video game and you know, you've got your bag of holding and all the things. And I'm like, I'm sitting here going, I don't know what to do, but yet I have these fucking tools are laying around me and I'm just not using them. <laughs> that was the big message I got to get the fuck. And TikTok was like all these aunties coming up on my for you page going, Hey, uh, I hear you've been in bed for four days. Literally they use the word for, um, uh, you need to, you're a queen. You need to get up. You need to brush your teeth, watch your vagina because hella and get the fuck up and get some shit done. <laughs> I was like, Ow, TikTok. <laughs> God. You know, like, it's so cute. I get it. You get to go to ground. You get to whatever. But now it's time to get the fuck out. Look, I gave you four days to wallow. <laughs> and uh, you stank. So <laughs> Wallowing yeah. is okay. I'm not telling anybody how to do their depression. But I know for me, I was it. I was just thinking not good thoughts. And, uh, and thankfully, the expanse came. And it was asking us the whole question about, 
what is life and what it, like what we're fighting amongst ourselves. But then we enter in this element of something other. Mm-hmm. And what do we do? We can't even comprehend it. Like if we're going to be ready for aliens or anything like that. Did you say? I said aliens. 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 Okay. If we're going to be ready for whatever that is, um, like we need to, I think, really be willing to look at the darkness and look at what we're sacrificing and how we do things and not necessarily being so contrary to ourselves in that as but that's the Piscean age I think like kicking its death throes of mm-hmm. of and it's it's farcical like it's literally like what the 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 mechanism of theater of farce is only to show us how ridiculous it is. It's That's a why Punch we... and Judy show all day, every day. Absolutely. Right now. And as much as we can say we dislike it and it's painful and it's embarrassing us around the planet to a certain degree, if you, you know, politically, whatever, but it is the Punch and Judy show because it has to show us the farcical nature and is this where we want to be? Well, and sort of like yes the, or no. <laughs> the meaningless anger and violence and struggle of it all. And the reality of the situation is, is like the more you struggle, the quicker you're going to go into the, the quicksand, right? You're just yeah. going to be a pith helmet floating on the right. top. <laughs> and, you know, as a person who identifies with like the battle arts and, and being a shield maiden and death maiden and all that archetypal, you know, Valkyrie stuff. I had a friend long ago say to me, I know you to be a better strategist. So your options are... You have outdated armor that's not serving you. Are you seriously going to go on this three-mile run with it? Or are you going to set it the fuck down and find something better as as you go? And I'm like, damn it! Bark! And they were right. Um, I think we just get really comfortable and used to whether your armor is your archetypes that you use or the masks that you wear, the costumes that you display, or the belief systems that you have. Like... I just think that we are definitely at this questioning point where we all have an opportunity to really ask ourselves, what do you want? Mm-hmm. And then be willing to hear the answer. And Archangel wh- Gabriel is in your face going, hey, <laughs> guess what? You've been selected. <laughs> so uh, we drew lots and it looks like... Uh... <laughs> You can either birth the light or you can be food for the monster in the jungle that we don't Or do talk you want about. to be whale fall? All of this is good. I just need you to make a decision. <laughs> you know? Oh, man. I just, I know that after today's reading and today's conversation, what do you want is still a difficult question. And the other one that I think a lot of us are struggling with right now is what do you believe? And are you your beliefs? Mm-hmm. And that's, that's a question of congruency and authenticity. So if we've had the opportunity to sit at home for the last six or seven months figuring out what we believe, now it's ready to like, well, okay, now you know what you believe and you know that you are your beliefs. What do you want? Mm-hmm. And it's, those are difficult questions and they're not easily answered and it's not something you're going to meditate on for 15 minutes unless you have some miracle occur. Um, because those, finding those answers is the work. Yeah, and quite honestly, I get it. I am fucking exhausted. 
And the idea of doing any more fucking self-development work and whatever, <laughs> I could just, I just want to eat Pop-Tarts and tell everybody to fuck off. Like, I get it. I get it. Well, you know, we could just become marauding candy goblins together. <laughs> Start knocking over what little kids are out <laughs> trick-or-treating going, I shall have all your Reese's Peas when it comes in. And just be the darkness, and that's fine. Candy, 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 candy. But, so I think, I think that's about it on that. I mean, again, this is not an ending. This is simply a query. Oh, yes, this is a conversation. This is... This is I hope this sparks, like, take this to your people, have these conversations, have conversations that scare you, um, shake your shit up for your peeps. Like, I have a fully expectation that my beloveds, even when I'm in the doldrums of my own depression, are going to be like, okay, uh, mm, I know you don't want to hear this right now, but bark, uh, because that's the agreement we have. Mm-hmm. And some of you may need the absolute cuddles and and schmoopy smooches and all that stuff. And God bless you for that. God bless you for that because I get it. Uh, that's not how I'm wired. I want it. But if you start giving it to me, I'm like, oh, you get away. Get away from it. You know? So um, that's because I know who I am in that way. Mm. And I have to decide, is that how I want to be anymore? I don't know. So, again, this whole show today is just really a query of a conversation that came out. Um, I really hope that this does not touch you and yours, this COVID. Um, I do think in some reality, by the time it's over, you know, Tanji and I both suppose that easily 60 to 70 percent of the populace will experience it. Yeah, it's going to happen. And if you're struggling right now, that's okay. Yep. It is okay to not it's be okay. It's totally okay to say, fuck it, I'm going to stay in bed for four more days. This is an extraordinary mm-hmm. time, and um, we're going through a process of, you know, being smelted into the best blades possible. Right. You know, when, when Hephaestus is putting us all in the fire and pounding and pounding and pounding on us, it's because those things that no longer serve us and the quality of the blade is being... Um, pushed out so that it can be a a lineal you know blade that lasts for eons and keeps its edge you know i don't i don't know this is just our best guess at this point so if you're not feeling very well right now you're not coping so good and you're not sure who to talk to the national alliance on mental illness is available it's at 1-800-950-NAMI for National Alliance on Mental Illness. And again, if you are feeling like checking out and you're not wanting to be here anymore, we love you. You're an important part and we would love for you to stay. Please call the National Suicide Prevention Hotline at 1-800-273-8255. We love you. We'd love for you to stay. And if you are at all wanting to continue the conversation, you can reach us on our Facebook page at The Spiritual Frequency you can also contact at our email address, which is spiritualfrequencyhosts at gmail.com. <laughs> um, you can go out to our website at thespiritualfrequency.com for uh, past episodes. Yeah, we've got a heck of a backlog. Yay! Um, and we appreciate all of you that are listening all around the world and hope to become even deeper connected with you. Um, please share this podcast if you really dig what's happening. And um, yeah, just... Thank you for allowing us the time to have this very intense conversation and um, understand that it is done 
with the highest intention of all of us yeah. kind of doing the leveling best, up. Doing the best good for the most people. That's, that's right. That's always the plan. Thank you so much. We love you and we appreciate you joining us here and tuning in with us to The Spiritual Frequency. Thank you.